Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you very much, and good afternoon to you. Welcome. Five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. here on the Thursday edition of Lifeline. My goodness, time flies when you're having fun. Already the 17th of February, and uh, this is one of those where we're, we're shuffling the cards, as they say, <laughs> as we launch tonight's program. The first guest that I've been excited to uh, visit with with great enthusiasm and anticipation apparently is not answering his telephone that happens sometimes so uh while we give my uh, my producer engineer an opportunity to uh, realign all of the uh, <laughs> all of the chairs here on the titanic let me uh, bring you up to date on a couple of quick things first just a quick thought it is um it is amazing to me the kind of progress that we have seen over the course of the last my goodness, probably three years, five years maybe, in the pro-life arena. Uh, and I say that with the perspective of having been a part of the fight going back into the 1980s. And it seemed like for a while we were just kind of stuck. Now, that wasn't to say that there weren't people that were not aware of what was happening in America, the alarming death toll because of abortion on demand. And certainly a lot of that awareness in the political arena was brought about by a lot of organizations that raised awareness, also created a lot of controversies through some of their methodology. But at the end of the day, we felt like, at least in the legal arena, we were just, uh, what's the term, Uh, dog paddling, you know, just (laughs) barely staying above the surface of the water. Um, Well, of course, it's beginning to change and change quite significantly. Not only are we beginning to see changes in law, there is the opportunity now perhaps as early as June for the United States Supreme Court to hand down decisions in a couple of key states and the Texas law that initially was criticized the heaviest by organizations like Planned Parenthood as being entirely too over-the-top, entirely too draconian, is actually accomplishing some good things. There has been a significant and notable reduction in abortions as a result. And, And so much of this, while it's been focused on the legal aspects of it, the political aspects of it, of course, the, the moral aspects of it. One area that oftentimes kind of been, uh, how should I say, got, got less attention than what it really should have was the practical aspects of, okay, if we can agree that life is precious and we can agree that we need to take a stand for life, we still have to confront the reality that things happen. And when they happen, we have to be there to respond. We have to be there with compassion and love and come alongside a woman that is in circumstances that she didn't anticipate. And I know some of the dissenters will say, well, this is basic, you know, basic biology. They should know. Well, things happen. And I think that's something that we need to accept and embrace. So when an unplanned pregnancy comes about, how do we stand with a woman 
and present her what the pro-abortion side has always kicked about and fussed about for years. It's about choice, choice, choice. But the reality is it's never really ever been about choice from their perspective. It's been about abortion on demand because, let's face it, for the abortion industry, it's big money. And for the extreme feminists out there, you know, they think it's empowering. So, what to do? In the case of women who still, nevertheless, find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy, how can we be there to support them and present them with real options? Well, thank God that there has been a growing group of silent heroes, fighters on the front, so to speak. You know, the generals oftentimes get, uh, you know, get all the applause when there's a, a victory on the battlefield. But it's the soldier in the trenches that really is taking the risk and doing the work to make the difference and to win the battles. And uh, my first guest tonight is certainly one of those soldiers. She's a leader, too, by the way. <laughs> I don't want to seem as if I'm unintentionally diminishing um, her, her role or her impact. But she's also been on the front lines for many, many years in this battle to truly allow women the opportunity to make a choice for themselves and to put all the facts out on the table. And we're finding that when equipped with all the information and all the facts, guess what? It turns out women are smart and can actually be capable of making the right decision when afforded the opportunity to do so. And with that introduction, with us is the CEO of Real Options, Valerie Hill. Valerie, the Bible talks about being instant in season and out of season, and you've proven that tonight. I appreciate your your <laughs> indulgence here. <laughs> You're very welcome. It's my pleasure and honor to be on with you tonight. We've got a lot to talk about this evening, so let's kind of get down to cases. And, you know, I I, I say a bit of, of the sense of it sort of being that, that silent army um, with full acknowledgement that more and more people are getting involved, volunteering, supporting, standing behind, um, offering women real options, giving women real information. And we're so appreciative of those growing numbers. But, of course, there's never enough. Because at the end of the day, as long as abortion continues to be available in states like California, the need to help stand with women, support them with the facts is always going to be front and center, wouldn't it be? Absolutely. It's, it's all, it takes all of us together, praying, serving, uh, giving of time, coming on staff and being part of the, you know, the army, as you said, uh, of of the people of God who are doing this for him first, because every person is made in his image, no matter whether they know him or not or realize that or not. And every child is a gift. And when we equip them, and as you said earlier, um, women make good decisions because God put in each one of us women the instinct to give life, to bring forth life, to be mothers, or to make plans for our children uh, through adoption, But to, and that's part of being a mother when you're not ready to parent. That's being a mother, and that's to be honored. And so, yes, it takes, it takes all of us to help equip women, help fully inform them, not to be clandestine or 
or doing uh, a disservice to women by hiding information from them or being predatory in our services. As I really feel, not only Planned Parenthood, but all the abortion providers and all the mail-in abortion pill uh, companies that are just making profit on women's suffering, it's got to stop and we've got to do our part. And I think it's important for listeners to note, even as we talk about the carnage, and I, I don't know what are the official numbers now, we've got to be well over 65 million since 1973, approaching maybe 70 yes. million. Is that about accurate? Yes. I think so, yes. I, I think what's remarkable, and I want listeners to understand this, then we're going to take a brief time out and get back to more of our conversation with Valerie Hill. But, but here's what I think really is demonstrative of the difference that ministry organizations like Real Options, is making. I'm looking here at an official chart. And this chart, by the way, is produced by the Guttmacher Institute. And people mm-hmm. say, well, who exactly is that? Well, for the longest time, it was the research arm of Planned Parenthood. Right. That, that means they got all the inside numbers. I mean, they know they know the real deal. They know information that maybe even the government doesn't get uh, reported to. And, and here's what I find to be astonishing. If we look at sort of the, the, the graph, the chart, of the rise of abortions in America from the beginning of legalization, 73, of course, as we know, but, but this chart actually begins in 1970. And to go from mm-hmm. 1970 into the 2000s, here's what I find quite telling, and that is that most of the the really significant, impactful laws have really only been passed in the last four or five years. Prior to that, pretty much demand, you know, we've had a couple of things at the, at the federal level, but nothing overtly significant to stem the tide of abortion and access to same legally in the country. But what's happened here is we watched a rise from the 1970s into a peak along about 1980. Then it held fairly constant through the decade of the 80s. And then as the proliferation of pro-life organizations, support groups, and resources like Real Options, and with the emergence of the sonogram, what do we begin Mm -hmm. to see take place? And that is this, that in the 1990s, that number suddenly starts to decrease. Now, I have to report that, sadly, it's not off to, to the bottom of the chart yet. But when we see that, on average... There were, my goodness, um, looking at, I just want to do rough numbers here, uh, from 1970 in through 1980, um, we were looking at two and a half million abortions a year, and that number has been cut to less than half in recent decades, in through 2016, 17, 18, 19, and so on. So no significant changes in the laws at any measurable degree, and yet what accounts for this? And I've got to believe that a big part of it has been information and support organizations that can stand with women to give them the facts so they can make a real decision, a real option, real choice. And thankfully, more and more women who find themselves in unplanned pregnancies are choosing life for their baby. 
517 on this edition of Lifeline. Valerie Hill, the Chief Executive Officer of Real Options, with us tonight. We'll be talking a bit about a special event they have coming up in early March, too. We'll get to that conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to our conversation. Valerie Hill is with us, CEO of Real Options. And Valerie, spend a quick moment, if you would, talking a bit about the the implementation of the sonogram and and the remarkable difference by being Mm -hmm. able to provide full-on medical clinics for women in unplanned pregnancies, the real difference that that has made. Well, there's nothing like an ultrasound, nothing like... Really, we call it the window to the womb. Yeah, what, what do they say? A picture's worth a thousand words, right? That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting how even little six-week babies are so sensitive and aware. And we see them, you know, at eight weeks even showing off, you know, raising a hand or, or you know, giving a wave. And... <laughs> It's it's incredible. Um, I see them at all all ages. Not every day, like our nurse sonographers do, who we um, appreciate having, and they're the a big key to serving our patients. But um, you know, knowing whether you have a viable pregnancy is the beginning of making a sound and informed decision. And you don't know if you have a viable pregnancy unless you know if this fetus is in your uterus, if, if they're in the fallopian tube or somewhere else, we're dealing with an ectopic pregnancy and she needs to go to the hospital in the ER and she needs to have that removed. It's, it's a risk to her life. So that's a big, important um Thing that she needs to know. Where is this pregnancy located? Is there a heartbeat? And can we measure this um, and tell her, her the dating of her pregnancy so she knows exactly how many weeks or days uh, this, this child is come along? How, how far along is this pregnancy? So we can answer those questions. Now, nurses can't diagnose and our medical director does review and diagnose every scan, but uh, she gets to see in real time on a big flat screen in every one of our exam rooms uh, while the nurse is is um, performing the scan, and she gets to see a heartbeat. If, if that baby is in her uterus, there's a heart rate you can show her as early as six weeks. Even before that, uh, you can detect the fetal heart rate. So it's pretty incredible. Um, we didn't have that technology when I was pregnant in 1977, so I, I never experienced that ultrasound and uh, thankfully chose life at that time for, for my daughter. But what a powerful tool, and it brings a bonding and then when the dads come in, very often, you know, we've got a dad in the waiting room, whether it's her husband or her boyfriend. Uh, and once she has a chance to absorb the information, she has the opportunity if she wants to invite him in or we'll set up a second appointment to have him come if, he, if she would like to 
to show him and he didn't come with her the first time. It, it's just incredible how fathers change when they see the life of their child, the reality of life on the screen. And it's, we just, there's sometimes no words to describe the huge change that comes over people, the mothers and the fathers, from maybe feeling hardened and wanting to remain distant so that they can choose abortion because of their circumstances and whatever else is going on in finances or relationships or lack of housing, whatever the needs are or whatever the situation is. But now you're looking at a person. You're looking at a human life, a human being, a little vulnerable child. And it's in your body. Or if you're the dad, it's, it's part of what you created. And you have, fathers also have the inherent, um, you know, God-given instinct to protect and to provide. And so what we can say to them when, when our optimal health coaches sit down with a dad and she's having her consultation with one of our coaches before the ultrasound even, we can say if, if, if we see a viable pregnancy today or if her test is positive and she sees a viable pregnancy, you, you already are a dad. So let's help you come alongside her and support her in the ways that she needs if you if you care about your child and if you want to be in your child's life you need to support her and it's the beginning of what we can do to help fathers embrace that life and embrace this woman that they're in a relationship with or that they're married to craig you wouldn't believe the numbers of married couples that think abortion is an answer because timing isn't right or they're here on a work visa and they're going back to India or another country. And so when Real Options talks about advancing a culture of life in the Bay Area and beyond, we say that for a reason. Because people live and work here in Silicon Valley, sometimes very transient or temporarily. And they've got a whole other place that they live in the world. And they are here. We have the opportunity to impact their lives and to serve them with compassion and share God's love with them and give, give their women uh, prenatal care, give the mothers prenatal care, uh, give them STD testing, give them everything that we can, uh, start them off on their prenatal vitamins, give them some practical uh, support like maternity clothes or show them what we have to offer them once the baby arrives. There's so much that we can give them and the support of their health coach that can walk through their pregnancy with them and afterwards. And I think what's so so special about this, what's so important about this is, you know, early on we used to refer to it today often the the, the language is unplanned pregnancy. Um, Mm -hmm. Early on the language was crisis pregnancy. And, And in many cases for unwed couple, for the mother, for the father for that matter, this comes as a shock. And 
certainly oftentimes for the father, they're in utter disbelief. And so it's it's easy, absent evidence to to argue, well, this really isn't what we think it is. This really isn't a child or this really isn't possible. And so the ability to sort of convince oneself, well, if this is not reality, not really a baby, then being able to terminate that pregnancy becomes a lot easier. It's almost as if they, they use a lack of facts and evidence to sort of um, uh, medicate or, or, or numb the, the, the decision-making, the moral center of their being and being able to basically terminate a life because it isn't convenient. The ability, therefore, to be able to, in a loving fashion, just present medical facts, just present the evidence, um, as you point out, Valerie, it can oftentimes be the difference between life and death for the child when suddenly the mother, the father realizes, guess what? This is real. And there's a real life at stake here. And so we have to make some real serious decisions. It can't be done on the fly and, and most certainly shouldn't be done just as a matter of, of convenience or inconvenience, as the case may be. Valerie Hill is with us today, CEO of Real Options. There's a very special event that's going to be taking place, as I alluded to early on, on March the 12th. And when we come back, we're going to be meeting one of the um, volunteers with Real Options, who is also very much involved in the upcoming Walk for Life scheduled for March the 12th. We'll talk about that as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're visiting to uh, today with Valerie Hill, CEO of Real Options. And um, uh, Valerie, as we get ready to meet our uh, next guest joining us here, I, I want you to kind of lead, uh, lead us into a very special event that you guys have coming up on March the 12th, the annual Walk for Life. Yes, it's our fantastic uh, family-friendly event. It's a walk, two-mile walk or a 5K run, and it's something that people can do to come out and celebrate life with us, learn more about real options, have a great morning in the sun. We've always got uh, great sponsors like Chick-fil-A bringing out some great food to us, and uh, lots, lots of family fun with the DJ out there in the park at Marshall Cottle Park on Saturday morning, March 12th. And the way people get involved is generally they form teams through local churches and church ambassadors or church engagers who are volunteers at Real Options get the team going and they encourage people to participate or to give and sponsor their fellow friends and neighbors in churches, and Mary Nakama is one of those volunteers. And Mary, we appreciate you uh, being with us today. You're a church engager at Westgate Church. Tell us a bit about, Mary, how you first got involved and began volunteering with Real Options. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, The why I'm serving in Real Options, there's the why and the how, so... um, I, I come from a desire to put into action my heart for the preborn and for the families that are struggling with unplanned pregnancies or heartache from decisions made in the past. So it's that heart's desire and to, you know, do something <laughs> to put into action. She's putting feet to her face, Craig. 
I love that. And you know what? In a real way, a lot of folks can have an opportunity to do that coming up on March the 12th. Uh, I've had a chance in years past to attend some of these events. It, it, it really has a great family atmosphere to it. And my goodness, we've all been cooped up for so long with COVID to be able to get out yeah. and enjoy some nice weather and uh, and be a part of a worthwhile cause that helps to not only raise awareness, but make a difference. Toward that end, uh, Mary, as you've been a volunteer with Real Options, give listeners, a, from your perspective, a little bit of a glimpse into why you find the Walk for Life exciting to be a part of. Um, well, so I love being with people, and so there's that, but there's the opportunity to create a team. So the church that I attend, um, I actually last year did the walk with a different church because we didn't have a team, and so I was very motivated to um, gather folks from our church and, um, you know, bring the community together. We have a wonderful church family, and um, so and to get the word out. And I, I think there's such a need um, for people to really understand what Real Options provides and services. Um, that's what I'm finding out. So it's been great, though, just getting connected with people that I didn't know before, and um, it's just coming together super. It's a, it's a small team right now, but we're starting and we're building, and um, I think one of the other things is that it, um, it really provides an opportunity to build awareness in the community. Um, the community is around us and with local businesses. So if we get businesses to put up posters and whatnot to advertise the walk, um, you know, you bring that community there and, and then among friends. So. And a good chance to come together and not only support life, celebrate life, but also uh, engage in, in, in some healthy exercise. And I would imagine, too, just the, the, the mere dialogue. You know, I, I, if it, my office is like everybody else's, I assume that it is. It's not unusual on a Friday to say, so what, what are your plans for the weekend? And people talk about, you know, going to a baseball game or uh, whatever that might be on their agenda. I'm going to paint the house or something, <laughs> you know, very enthusiastic. <laughs> Enthusiastic like that. Here's a chance to be able to casually uh, to be able to share with friends and coworkers. Well, I'm involved with Walk for Life this weekend. Well, what's the Walk for Life? And then I would imagine uh, both for Valerie and Mary that this this opens up a door of opportunity to get some great dialogue going. That's true. And the, the other thing is, is the T-shirts that we wear. Um, you know, it it they are advertisement, and people ask. Last year, people asked, "Oh, what's the walk for life?" So even in the event itself, you know, there's that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's great. And yeah, they uh, see us all gather at the park. There's sometimes four to six hundred of us um, having a great time, and people come on over and they want to know more. So this year, as, as we're kind of emerging from COVID here, uh, and again, this, the Walk for Life is going to be held on Saturday, March the 12th. Uh, tell us, if you would, Valerie, about some of the needs. Now, clearly, as Mary has underscored, uh, volunteers to be walkers and runners, uh, you know, most important. And you can get together with a group from your church, or if you want to go solo, or I would imagine that folks can meet up and, and kind of get ad hoc groups together uh, the day of the walk. But give us kind of a glimpse into areas where you have needs leading into that day? Oh, well, we definitely need volunteers. Uh, It takes a lot of hands to set up the tents and the tables and the festivities for the participants that are going to come and register. They've mostly all pre-registered, but they're bringing in their fundraising pages from the crowdfunding platform that we use and Everything can be done online ahead of time. Uh, 
They don't even have to pick up the phone if they don't want to call their friends and ask for uh, them to support them in this uh, in this participation. But they can email, they can text, and we make it really easy to raise the funds to come on out, get your T-shirt on, go for your walk, um, have a nice breakfast. Here's some great um, outcomes from last year, you know, 5,100 lives safeguarded through real options and 1,037 babies and their parents saved from abortion. Those things motivate and inspire everybody to raise the funds to get their teams together and to have a great run or a great walk that morning and that they came out for a purpose and they're joining in the community and they're doing something uh, fun and something to bring awareness. Our goal to raise funds is about $200,000 and we actually got that done a couple of years ago before uh, COVID hit. But um, it's not just about that. It's like you said, it's about awareness and letting people know. So there's the, the setup, there's the teardown, there's the trail guides, there's the water people, there are nurses that come out and help us with making sure we have first aid if we need it. Um, there's all kinds of, there's people donating prizes ahead of time. So we can really inspire mostly the youth, but we give prizes to some of the runners in different age categories and from youth to the to the old people like me, Craig, out there. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> if you see the old you know, man with the cane, you'll know it's it me. <laughs> and and yeah. uh, also to make it easier this year, I understand that you know some folks say, "Well, I want to get involved, but uh, help me understand how the the fundraising part works." I understand that you're working with the crowdfunding platform Fund Easy, um, yes. and as the name implies, that'll make this process for uh, for runners and walkers much simpler. It does. They can go online to friendsofrealoptions.net, and the Walk for Life is right on the front page, and click on that, and they can register. They can start a team, join a team, or just sign up as an individual or a family and start sending out their, um, set up their page, add one of our patient testimony videos, put in a, a story of their why, like Mary shared her why, and send it out via email or text to your friends and family, and then people start donating. And a, one of the keys sometimes is start your page off with a donation from yourself and uh, sow, sow that into your efforts. And the Lord does the rest like he does with everything. He, he will inspire people that love you and care about you and they find out this is something that's near and dear to your heart, like Mary said, and they will support you in your efforts because people want to do something. They don't want to just hear the bad news about abortion or think about the responsibilities that we've had as Christians for, you know, decades now. Uh, but let's do something positive and bring the community together and celebrate life and celebrate the good things that are happening because the community rallies and comes together. Absolutely. So you know, so often we, we have that sense of, you know, understanding the importance of walking for health. Now here's an example where you can not only walk for good health, but also walk for life. Again, this is going to be Saturday, 
March the 12th, and to sign up and volunteer and register to uh, be a part of the walk, whether you want to come out and hand out water bottles, help with the setup, as Valerie mentioned, or be a walker or a runner, you can get full details and registration online at friendsofrealoptions.net. That's friendsofrealoptions.net, an exciting event to look forward to, and we'll no doubt be talking more about this in the coming days leading up to March the 12th. I want to thank volunteer Mary Nakama for being with us, along with Valerie Hill, the CEO of Real Options. All right, walkers, go walk for life! Options does is gives a positive message to the community that life is important. Celebrate the gift of life with family and friends at Real Options Walk for Life and 5K Run, Saturday, March 12th. Register at friendsofrealoptions.net. Help support women, children, students, and families in your community. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Undoubtedly, you're aware that millions of men suffer from health issues that are related to low hormones, and perhaps they don't even know it. Most guys don't think about hormones because that's usually something typically associated with women. Well, joining us today with some more insight and answers is Dr. Thomas Santucci, D.C., founder of the Men's and Women's Health Center. Dr. Santucci, first help us better understand why are hormones important to managing men's health? Hormones play key roles in the deposition of muscle and the way um, our bodies handle energy, the way our bodies handle blood sugar, in cardiac protection, and in bone deposition. So hormones are kind of the secret messengers inside what we call metabolic processes. When, as we age, a lot of times, especially testosterone, becomes depleted, and many things that we associated with old age are actually a decrease in hormone levels. So part of our, our job here is to kind of make people aware that these are, you know, biomedical uh, changes that can be easily, I'm going to stop there, um, let's clip it there. Um, I like the first part, but I don't like this. Um, no problem, Pete, we'll just clean that up, no problem. Yeah, what was your question? Uh, why the hormones are important to managing health. So hormones are important to manage health because for men and for women, we're talking about the restoration of muscle mass, which can create changes in vitality. It can create changes in energy. It can create changes in strength and coordination. So many of the the symptoms of old age can be managed and maybe even reversed, properly managing one's hormones to optimal levels. As we get older, we typically, many people start to see signs such as the impact of diabetes, high cholesterol, or certainly high blood pressure. Do all of these ultimately affect a man's testosterone level as well? Right. Um, When we're looking at cortisol changes, which is from stress, we see a direct decrease in the amount of testosterone. So when we're talking about healthy aging, it's useful if we can get stress under control. We're in the Silicon Valley. It's almost impossible. So what we do is we go in, assess what the levels are, and then augment the hormone levels to bring the the patient, male or female, up to optimal levels. So this leads to a key question. There is then a natural way to balance hormones, or in your opinion, is hormone replacement therapy the best option? Right. There is a way to balance hormones, and you kind of hit on it before. A healthy lifestyle is a great first start. What we're seeing when we're testing at people 50 years and above, 
almost no one has adequate levels of testosterone. And in the postmenopausal women level, almost no one has adequate levels of estrogen. And these are bioprotective for, again, bone loss, cardiac health, um, you know, even fighting uh, weight loss and diabetes. So when we're looking at, at the hormone intervention, we see this as a natural way to come in and really augment nature. So help us understand when we talk about hormone therapy, what sort of changes can a man expect to experience? Right. I would say that most people sense a physical change where their muscle mass begins to reassert itself, where their strength goes up. We're measuring about a 10% increase in strength in the average male in the first two months. So people people can feel that. They're aware of it. Coordination can go up. And really, the ability to handle stress goes up because of the neurotransmitter changes and the, and the biochemical um, glucose handling changes. So in general, vitality would be the thing that people would notice more than anything else. Can you help us to understand what the procedure is for hormone replacement therapy? Right. So what we do is we get a read, a lab read of the hormone levels in blood work. And so we start off with testing um, the testosterone, estrogen, uh, other sex. Let's, let me redo that. Um, so the process is fairly straightforward. We start with blood work where we get hormone levels actually understood in the details. We then have a consultation with you to understand your individual issues and then set up a hormone replacement program that's appropriate for you. All of this takes about 40 minutes, and we're offering it at no cost for this month. And when you talk about that special offer, maybe go into a bit more detail. I understand you had mentioned to me before we came on the air today that there's both a free consultation as well as $100 off the initial blood panel. Right. So we actually run two blood panels for a normal cost of $250. That'll be $150 to your, your visitors, your listeners. And the consult will, we will provide the consult at no cost. And for men that have been listening to our conversation today, Dr. Santucci thinking, aha, I think maybe this is the answer to what I've been dealing with for so long. How soon can they, how soon can they be seen in your center? Well, almost immediately. Again, giving us a call at our office number will get you set up with blood work and then a consult. And then in that consult, we can go over your history, what's going on with hormone levels, any symptoms that you have and what your goals are. And then we'll devise a bioidentical hormone replacement therapy for you. So to understand how hormone replacement therapy can make a difference in your health and your well-being, why not call the Men's and Women's Health Center today at 408-871-8222. That's 408-871-8222. Right now, Dr. Santucci is offering both a free consultation and $100 off your initial blood panel. So call today and schedule your appointment at the Men's and Women's Health Center, 408-871-8222. That's 408-871-8222. Dr. Santucci, we appreciate both the time and the insights that you've offered today.